Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shoot to Make podcast with Dennis Stanton, episode 23. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, our mission is to talk about the journeys of successful high school, collegiate, and professional basketball players and coaches in hopes to provide a platform and playbook for others to learn and grow. We have a very special guest here today who's experienced tremendous success at the high school and collegiate level, uh, Penridge High School and U.S. Naval Academy shooting guard, Sean Yoder. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Dennis. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Very, uh, for those, I don't know when our listeners are going to be listening, but this is Easter Sunday during the coronavirus, so I don't feel as bad uh, taking time away from Sean's day, but I do appreciate you carving out time, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem. So how are you doing during this time? What does it look like for you? Obviously, you're in, uh, we're kind of three quarters of the way through your first stint in, in the Naval Academy as a freshman, and then obviously the coronavirus hit, you, you, you're sent home. What does what does day-to-day life look like for you as a student and as an athlete? Right. Well, online classes right now, they're, it's different, different than being at school. Um, as a lot of, a lot of college uh, students can um, relate to, but I'm just trying to stay on top of my schoolwork as much as possible. Um, just, just staying busy in the classroom, but also spending time with family, um, you know, staying inside, but also getting my workouts in, um, just trying to get better in any facet of the game I can. Sure. What are you doing for workouts? Like playing Kyle or Luke one-on-one in the driveway? <laughs> it look like this day? It's a lot of uh, in the garage, really just get my ball handling work in. We have some weights in the basement, just trying to stay in shape. Um, it's just small things right now, but going on, going on some runs, clearing my head, um, things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. I think it's a, it's a time to kind of be creative about your own self-improvement. And we've had a couple guests that came on the show and talked about you know, that going on a run allows them to clear their head and allows them, you know, they get their best thoughts when they're going on a run. Do you find that about yourself? Are you listening to music? Or are you listening to, you know, podcasts? Or what are you doing when you go on a run? Yeah, I usually listen to music. Um, just trying to, like I said, just trying to clear my mind, get my uh, mind on something else rather than, you know, schoolwork or whatever it is that's going through my mind. Um, but just running, it, it, it's something that has helped me. Um, and I, I did it over the last summer a lot, you know, training at the academy. Um, but, but here at home, it, it's been great. That's great, man. That's great. Um, so we're, we're going to get into kind of your bio. You know, I've known you probably since you were in fourth or fifth grade. And I remember the first, you know, time you and your brothers came to our camp. And I think, you know, aside from being very talented, the things that our staff loved most about you guys was just your, and your sister as well, your work ethic, attention to detail, willingness to learn. You know, and we feel very lucky to have you guys at our camps and clinics all those years. Um, and we're going to get into kind of your attention to detail and, and your, you know, the effort that you bring to each day. But um, for, for our listeners that might not know you, I want to give just a quick recap. Sean graduated from Penridge High School last year and was the best player in school history and led uh, teams to incredible success. He's a four-year varsity player, conference championship, and state runner-up uh, his senior year, which was an incredible game, which we'll talk about here today. Averaged 20 points a game as a senior. He broke the school record and finished just shy of 1,500 points. Uh, Sean garnered some division, multiple offers at Division One level and chose the U.S. Naval Academy, where he just finished his freshman year playing 15 minutes a game and had a season-high 19 points in a win at Lehigh, where I know there was a lot of Penridge uh, supporters out there that day. Uh, but most importantly, Sean's a humble, selfless person who has earned – all the success that he's gotten. So I'm very excited to kind of chop it up here with Sean here today. Um, and we're going to bring the listeners back, Sean. So before you got to Penn Ridge, 
you know, let's talk like seventh and eighth grade. I know you played baseball and other sports. Um, what did it look like for you? What did your basketball process look like in kind of seventh and eighth grade leading into Penn Ridge High School? I think basketball for me in middle school is kind of just, kind of just like any other, you know, any other kid, just kind of going in, having fun with my friends, um, not really taking it too serious, um, playing pickup, but then also getting involved with the middle school team, uh, having fun there. But then, you know, I did start once uh, my after eighth grade year in the summer. Um, I think that was a big training individually where that started. Um, and then, then that was maybe when I took it a little more seriously. But like I said, I think um, it was important for me just to have fun as a, a little you know, kid coming up in middle school, playing with for my middle school team and from my friends. Um, and playing with my friends is also a big part. Yeah. No, I think uh, that element of camaraderie that, that I saw your teams demonstrate throughout the course of your four years at Penn Ridge. And unfortunately, a lot of times that was at the expense of the Indians of Southern Area High School. Um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, when you talk about just having fun with your friends, you know, even you as a sixth, seventh, eighth grader, um, I think scoring and, and, ha and having success is fun. But I would say that you are one of the more serious players. And what I mean is just your focus uh, to right. get better, you know, as you're playing and your focus to win. Um, did, did you feel that, like, that you were on a kind of a different level of focus when you would play just to have fun in those seventh and eighth grade years? Right. Like you said earlier, um, attention to detail was something big for me. And, you know, coming to your camps and, uh, you know, working out with you was big in my uh, younger years in middle school, um, you know, coming to those camps. Uh, as far as focus is, yeah, I always wanted to get better. It, you know, uh, motivation has got to come from within. Mm. And I think that was the case for me. Um, but yeah, I think my focus level was always um, trying to focus on getting better. And I think that was a big part in my um, success. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so you get to the high school and as a freshman, um, you started, did you start as a freshman? I did not, no. Dan Long was uh, playing point guard. Great player, great player. Yep. And they had, they had a great team. Were, were you playing JV or you were just kind of coming off the bench varsity? So I was playing JV, uh, and then I came off the bench varsity a little bit, but mostly playing JV and really just getting that experience just at the high school level um, to start, not even playing varsity, but that's okay. You know, I was just trying to get better in the JV level. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's great for our listeners to hear that, and and we'll ask for your greatest Dean Barron story at the end of this. Um, I talked to Coach the other day, and I told him you were going to get on the podcast. He said, "What's a podcast?" Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I love Coach Barron, so we will ask for your favorite story, and he will be a, a guest on this show at some point. Um, but you know, as far as you know, just that I, I tell players all the time, it's kind of a dichotomy between working hard and having patience. You know, like you worked really hard in middle school and you worked really hard as a freshman and having that patience and understanding that you're going to get better at the JV level. And, you know, there's a process that Dan Long's a very good basketball player. There was other good players on that varsity team. Um, when did you feel like, cause when you transitioned from your freshman to sophomore year, sophomore year, you, you were the leading scorer on that team. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think after, after freshman year, I kind of, you know, Dan was leaving, um, and a scoring void was kind of needed to be filled by someone. And I took that upon myself, and I, you know, I wanted to get better. And freshman, sophomore year, I made a huge jump. And um, looking back, that, that was probably my, one of my biggest improvements um, over that summer, over that off season. 
And, um, you know, that was big for me. Yeah, I know Coach Barron does a ton of off-season work, a ton of um, clinics and workouts for you guys with both in the gym, in the weight room. But when you weren't with Coach Barron's, you know, kind of in the spring or in the summer, can you help our listeners and kind of walk them through what it would look like in your backyard at the YMCA, at the courts, you know, in the middle of the summer when you weren't playing AU, you weren't with Penridge, and kind of walk them through, you know, what you did to improve as a player? Right. I think um, a lot of my success really comes from the coaching and um, j- just the help from my dad. I think mm-hmm. he's helped me tremendously. Um, and it's also comes from, like I said, within, within my own, uh, you know, personality, I just want to get better. So it, a lot of it was, like I said before, in the driveway, um, in the garage, working on ball handling um, as a point. I mean, I'm in shooting guard now, but point guard in high school, you, you need to be comfortable with the ball. So I took, um, took that as something that I needed to improve on because I, I did not play a lot of point guard um, coming up. I was always a small forward in you know, middle school. Um, then I started playing point guard in high school. So I knew uh, ball handling would slow the game down. And that was the biggest part of my game that I needed to improve on. So I worked on that as much as possible. Um, developed my shot, which, right, like I said, in the driveway with my dad, just trying to teach me technique. Mm. Coming to your pants was big. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of my success comes from my dad. Yeah, and I think one thing that I noticed your sophomore year and junior year that you really improved on, you talked a little bit about it with ball handling, is just your pace and reading. You know, you guys – you know, coach put you in a lot of ball screens, high ball screen actions, and you were just really good at reading the defense, understanding when to pass that off, um, you know, when to split the screen, all those things. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Like when you are, are negotiating a ball screen from an offensive perspective as the dribbler, like are there things that you're thinking about as far as the reads or is that, is that now just coming natural to you, like in, in those moments? Right. Like, like I said, I was not really a point guard growing up it was really a small forward the three position but now it's really became more of that point guard role and I've always had the mentality that I want to get my teammates involved always that was my first I've always wanted to pass the ball rather than score the ball and I know a lot of people say that but you know I truly believe that's what I want I want to see my teammates have success um, over myself and I think um, just coming out of that ball screen I'm looking to pass the ball I'm looking to find someone first now, I know some coaches, you know, wouldn't agree with that. They, you know, look for, look to score first, look for your – no, like that's just not – that's just not um, what my mentality was. And, you know, in high school it was John Post being the big man with me just uh, for pick and roll and then have my guys spot up on the wings. But really just trying to – my first look is finding my teammates. Yeah, I think that made you very effective as a point guard, but it also – it put teams in a position where they had to they had to guard the role they had to guard the guard the pop and then ultimately it it lent itself to you know you know scoring 20 points a game as a senior um you, you were able to kind of pick and choose your spots there at the back end you know the latter two parts of your of your career um when you look back at your high school career is there a game that sticks out not not your favorite memory but the best game you played overall performance and you can't say against Southerton when you had like 24 as a sophomore <laughs> Yeah, my senior year, um, we played – it was our first game against Abington. We played them, I think it was four times mm. that whole year. But my for the first game we played, uh, it was I think it was a Saturday morning game. Uh, it was like a coach versus cancer. And we played them at our place at Penridge. And 
I was I I don't know what happened, but we were we were, I, I was playing pretty well individually. Um, but really, I just wanted to do anything I could to keep my team in the game. Um, and whatever I, I had to do, I was willing to do it. And in that game, it was score the ball. So I don't know how much I ended up with, but, you know, that was against Dixon, um, against Monroe. So they had a very good team. So it was just, for me, uh, that performance kind of, I felt good about myself after that, um, you know, that I can hang with them. But that really, that game um, stands out to me just as an individual performance performance yeah absolutely for our listeners that don't know it's unbelievable I think they were the district one champions that year correct they were yeah yeah it's a great team and you guys played them four times so once in the coaches versus cancer once in the districts and once in the states how did you play them four times we played I want to say four times I know we played them in the states that's when we won we finally got a number on them but they they beat us three other times um we played them earlier in the season the coaches versus cancer game and then uh, like you said, we played them in districts at Temple, and then we also played them at Ben Salem. Um, was the, the one, like the suburban one challenge, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Was the Temple game? Was that the district one championship? That was the semifinal. Uh, yeah, semis. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so when you when you look back at that game and you look back at some of your great games, um, and uh, was there something when it comes to mental training um, and mental visualization before a game, you know, I've talked to you pretty much every single time you played Souderton before the games and, you know, you have your stretching routine. I mean, you have a full sweat, you know, before you even get on the floor uh, for warmups, just based on your stretching routine. That was most of the time that we caught up before the games, but are you doing any kind of mental training or visualization before you step on the floor? I think just calming myself down. I tend to get a little nervous, a little worked up. Um, before games, I think just sitting down, uh, putting the game into perspective, and in the big picture, it doesn't mean much, but just um, calming myself down was a big part, because um, like I said, I do tend to get worked up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I also was always nervous. It didn't matter, you know, what kind of game, whether it was a summer league game or a high school game or a professional game, you know, I think uh, using those nerves to your advantage, um, you know, because you care about it, you know, and you want to play well and you want to do well. Um, you talked about big picture, you know, and it, it not really mattering in the grand scheme of things if you play well or not. Um, you know, you and I have spoken about this before, you know, element of, of, of faith-based, you know, ha having strong faith in God. I know your family is a, a family of faith. And um, can you talk about your journey, um, you know, as a Christian, as it relates to athletics? Um, I know you're part of FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the Naval Academy, but maybe you could speak about your journey in the context of, of faith and basketball. Yeah, I think always playing for, um, you know, God's glory is always most important. And like I said, putting the game into perspective, I think it wasn't really until this year at the Naval Academy where I actually realized that and really, um, you know, put that actually like, um, and really like experience it myself. Like I was having a hard time at the Naval Academy with all the other obligations going around. Um, and it's really important. And, you know, we have a chaplain at the Naval Academy who's the director of FCA for our basketball team. Um, and it was always awesome to have him around and talk to uh, when I needed it most. And I think just putting the game into perspective that, you know, the ball is going to stop dribbling at some point. And, you, you know, the ball's going to stop bouncing. So you, you have to, um, you know, have a life beyond basketball and find something that's more permanent, more important, that's going to, um, you know, 
that's something you love. Yeah, I think it's great perspective. And I think, you know, you're always going to be nervous, but sometimes that takes a little bit of the pressure off, understanding that it is just a game. Um, and I think the more you work at your game, the harder it is to see it as just a game, right? Because you put so much time and so much effort into it. Man, you care a lot about it. And you care about your performance, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, are you, when you are, obviously, we talked about visualization with, um, you know, with, with, with basketball. When it comes to your prayer life in the context of, of sport, are you praying before a game or, or anything of that nature? Or is it more just a kind of having that wherewithal and that presence that you are playing for a greater purpose? Yeah, every, every time since, uh, I think it was, I want to say junior year of high school, um, just before every game, I'd always, you know, say to myself, in a, in a little bit, a little short prayer before going out, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. And I think that just always, um, you know, hit home with me that if I, if, he, if I have, you know, the Lord in my heart, then, you know, I can do anything that I put my mind to. just have to work for it. I love that, man. And I think so much about it is you never, you never really feel lonely on the court. You know, you're always out there. A, you, like you talked about a greater purpose, but also um, – you know, I, when I would pray before games and visualize before games, you know, I would always feel like kind of had a leg up on everybody else because I had that relationship with Christ and, and things like that. So, um, you know, it's just great to hear that, that you, you have that and working on it as well. Um, you guys, obviously, your senior year, just an incredible run. Um, and, you know, you were obviously a huge piece of that. And you guys kind of came into your own, especially towards the latter part of the season, which typically happens with Dean Barron's teams. They just get better as the season goes on. Uh, when you look back at, at that season, uh, one game that strikes me is the game against Mithacton. And I think that was – was that the Sweet 16 state game? That was – it should have – that was – might have been the eight. Okay. And that's at Plymouth White Marsh, sold-out crowd. Can you talk about that game a little bit as much as you can remember? As much as I can remember, yeah. Um, it wasn't that long ago. You're the youngest guy we've had on this uh, podcast, man. You're right. It wasn't that long ago. Um, it's keep, all, all a little bit of a blur to me. Yeah, um, absolutely. But the atmosphere at that game was incredible. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just a sold-out crowd, like you said. Um, the fact that N. Penridge fans, you know, and it came down to the end. But it was a well-played game. You know, I have a bunch of friends. Um, Dave Duda, Jeff Woodward from – East Coast Power for my AAU team that were on the Methacton team. So, you know, we were, uh, you know, we could just talk before the games. Um, and we actually, it's a funny story, we actually scrimmaged them about, it might have been two weeks before that, three weeks before that. Wow. Because um, I guess Coach Barron's wanted to get in and get a little scrimmage in because he knew that we could possibly see them. And, um, you know, Coach Durstein agreed. So we, we went down to Methacton, we scrimmaged them. Uh, and then, Soon enough, we were playing them at PW. Um, but like I said, the atmosphere was crazy. Um, and then, like I said, it came down to the final couple seconds, which was pretty cool. And that was a tie game at that point when you when you hit that three-pointer, right? It was, yes. So was that a play that was drawn up? I mean, typically, um, you wouldn't be going for a, a, a step-back three-pointer on a tie <laughs> game. Um, was that the play, or did you just kind of read it? Because you kind of – you almost – I mean, I think if that's in, like, the first quarter, a lot of high school referees might call it travel on that. Right. Yeah, um, yeah that, was, that, that was a shot that I've been working on my senior year, um, my, before my senior year in the summer, and just working on it in practice. Um, 
But the thing about that shot is most people might not realize or recognize because um, the, the shot kind of takes up most of the media. But um, my brother had a huge play actually before that that actually got the ball back. So if he never made a great defensive play, which you know ended up in a steal for us, an out-of-bounds uh, out play, then you know, we, I would have never had that opportunity to make that shot. So, you know, like I said, it's a game of little things, and he made a little play, which um, allowed me to essentially make that shot at the end. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting, too, just the game of basketball. I mean, every sport is ever-evolving, and it's constantly changing. Um, you know, but we had Ryan Archidiakono on here a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about – we talked about just how the – how players are changing the game with the moves that they make and kind of how they're able to do it in the context of the rules, like a Euro step or a step back and things like that. Right. You know, and I, I remember I watched that shot a bunch of times when you hit it. Um, you know, that's a shot that you never even took as a sophomore. It wasn't even really, you know, the, the, that type of step back, side step back really wasn't in your repertoire. And it really wasn't a lot of people, nobody was really doing that. Um, right. So is that something that you saw someone do or Coach Barron's, you know, kind of work with you on, or did you just kind of start developing that move? No, that was just something I started developing a little bit. I never really watched anybody who did it, um, but you know, Coach Barron's wasn't a big fan of it. But he eventually <laughs> he eventually uh, had confidence in me that I could make that shot, and I showed him a couple times. But, um, no, he wasn't a big fan of that. But, like I said, I'm a player who – tries to stick to the fundamentals and basics as much as possible um doing the little things doing every little thing I can to help my team win yeah. um it's not so much worrying about you know the fans I don't care about that I just want to win yeah no I think that's why you guys have had so much success and, and partly why coach Barron has had so much success is that he really focuses on the details and he focuses on the fundamentals and his teams have a specific identity on both ends of the floor each and every year um, I, I told you I was going to ask you, can you give us your, your favorite Dean Barron's story or just memory? I think not really a specific memory or story, but I just think him coming into the locker room after a win, um, always a great feeling, especially mm. in that state tournament run. And I know every locker room is great after a win, but just him coming in, dancing, whatever it is, being real excited for us. And one thing I will say about him is he cares so much about his players, and it's so evident. Um, you know, he doesn't really care about himself. It's just all for the players that he has, and um, I really appreciate that about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you had a ton of success in those four years at Penn Ridge. Um, when you look back at the four years, are there one or two challenges or one or two – experiences that you you remember like I really struggled with this or this was a tough time for me or um, you know when you're looking back on the career obviously you can look back at the incredible accomplishments that you had but can you speak to our audience a little bit about some of the hurdles or challenges that you faced? Yeah I think I think for me I always had a like a perfectionist mindset mentality and whenever I would mess up in a game you know commit a turnover whatever it would be I'd always after the game, I'd always look at that, look at my mistakes and try to get better from them. And now that's sometimes a good mentality to have. At the same time, you, always, you also want to see the, what you did that was good, um, what was positive, because um, you can't just be beating yourself up all the time about what you did wrong. Mm. So I think that was a big part of um, how I was trying to improve mentally. And I think I did that um, 
my junior to senior year. I know one of my assistant coaches, um, Coach McIntyre, who's not at Penridge anymore, but he really, really focused on the mental aspect of, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You just go out there and play. Mm. Um, he really, really helped me with that. Um, and then another uh, little challenge, I always struggled with um, getting compliments about how you played um, because, like I said, I always had that mindset of, I just want to get better. I don't, I don't need people to sugarcoat things, whatever. Just tell me how it is, and then no, I'll get to work. Um, so I think, I think that just always people, the buzz around, you know, a, a good game or whatever it was, kind of bothered me at some time uh, at some points um but I think it's just just always having that mentality of getting better that uh, helped me yeah I think those are two great examples and I think our listeners especially the middle school high school collegiate players can learn from that you know the first your first example I think it's so important to have self-awareness in the game of basketball and in any sport and to be able to truly um self audit your performance, you know, and the way you did it, I know you were a perfectionist and we talked about it before um, over the years, we've talked about it, but you know, the way it's easier to keel back from that than to teach someone to have true self-reflection. I think that's what made you successful is that coming into high school, you already had that gene in you that you are going to self-reflect on the things you need to get better at. And then obviously the second piece is, I think, uh, you know, the hum- element of humility, you know, you, you demonstrate incredible humility and I think it's what's caused you to continue to work so much. And, um, I attribute that to your parents. You talked about your dad and, and what he's done for you. I mean, both of your parents, incredible people that raised incredible kids. I told your dad one time, I want to take them out for coffee to figure out how to raise kids. <laughs> you guys are incredible. Um, but th- that, those are great examples for our listeners. And, um, you know, throughout your high school journey, Penridge was a huge piece of it. You alluded to East Coast Power as well. Um, maybe can you talk about, you know, how, long, how many years did you play for, for East Coast Power? And, um, you know, what are some memories from AAU? Yeah, uh, I played two years at East Coast Power. And it's actually a funny story how I ended up there. Um, but so I ended up uh, breaking my collarbone uh, my sophomore sophomore year about a week before a playoff game so that was and the way I broke it was not playing basketball or anything like that it was something stupid so (laughs) I broke my collarbone doing that um I was kind of bummed out about I didn't know how things would work out with AAU um because I was gonna end up going to play for another AAU team that was my plan all along but then um God has a funny thing, funny way of working everything out. And before you know it, I'm going to an East Coast tryout just to be there. I'm still out of swing on my arm, but just to hang out with the guys and see what they're going through, going through a workout, a tryout. Um, And then once I got my swing off and once I was recovered from the collarbone injury, then I was playing for East Coast Power. So that's how I ended up there. And um, it's funny because, like, I just – you look back and you're like, that's probably one of the uh, greatest things that's ever happened to me, like on the basketball, um, on, the, on the basketball floor is ended up playing for East Coast Power. I think they're a tremendous organization who, you know, pride themselves in the fundamentals um, and, you know, playing basketball the right way. Uh, and, you know, that from there, it really just took off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a part of that too, and for our listeners, because we, we constantly get questions about what AU team to join. And so much of it is about fit. And when I say fit, I mean, 
the, the coach and the players? What does the complexion of the team look like that that team dynamic as far as are you going to be able to play, you know? And, um, you know, there's a lot of different AAU teams out there and there's some AAU teams where you could be the best player, but I think the biggest thing is, are you going to play? And, you know, the kid, the players that you talked about earlier, Dave Duda, um, you know, Woodward, those kind of guys, they're fun guys to play with, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And one thing about our AAU team was, and our, you know, our coach, uh, Jason Fisher got a lot of compliments throughout the years um, of us playing together is our camaraderie um, and, and us passing the ball. I think that was probably the most fun part uh, of AU for me was just seeing how much we like to pass the ball, um, seeing how happy we get for other guys. Whereas AU nowadays, you don't you probably don't get that that much. Um, it's a lot of individual uh, focus on how you're playing, individual um, performances, but with East Coast Power, it was all about the team. And I truly, like, believe that, that, you know, East Coast Power um, was probably one of the best things for basketball for me. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And I think so much of AAU is about expectation and, you know, what your expectation is going into it and your parents and things like that. And I will say that you could feel it really quickly when you go to a gym and there's five different courts there might be two teams that are playing the way you're talking about. And you could see it right away. Those teams that are playing for each other and with each other. And ultimately I think those guys um, end up doing the best service to their own games and their recruitment uh, because college coaches are looking for that stuff. And um, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, the recruitment piece. So like who, who are you? Um, obviously I know Colgate was, was offered you and, <laughs> you hard in Vermont was it Colgate Vermont and um and Navy so Colgate Vermont and Navy were the three schools that I was down to towards the end of the process and really um you know really narrowing my choices down I took a visit to all three schools um you know really liked all three of them so that's I guess that's a very fortunate problem to have um but it was still a tough tough process to go through uh, it was a long and challenging process of you know, taking the pros and cons from this school and debating, you know, going up against the pros and cons from this school. Um, but like I said, I'm very fortunate to be able to play at this level. Um, you know, wouldn't trade it for anything. So, yeah, like I said, the, it, it was very cool to go around to these schools and meet coaches, uh, meet great coaches, great people, um, and then meet some of the players that you could be playing against, which I, which I do in Colgate now. Uh, but you also playing with at the academy. Yeah. And ultimately, why did you decide to go to the academy? I think for me, I think, like I, like I mentioned before, um, basketball is going to stop at some point for me. And I want to be prepared when it does. So I can, like I said, um, I want to have a life after basketball. And I think all those schools could have prepared me, but I think the Naval Academy had the best opportunities for me after basketball, you know, when the ball stopped bouncing, mm. I think the Naval Academy presented unique opportunities as well as the people that you uh, come in contact with the day, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, the people there are um, uh, very good. Opportunities are endless there. And I think that was probably the biggest reason why I, why I ended up there. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you and I spoke throughout the course of that process and um, you know, like you said, you couldn't make a wrong decision with those three schools and they all offer different 
experiences. Um, and when people would ask me, uh, you know, where do you, how is he going to survive at Navy? And I, I, you talked about it a little bit about your perfectionist attitude and mindset. You know, I, I know, you know, you were going to be able to do well there and survive there just based on your mental toughness, physical toughness. Uh, you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And uh, right. you know, I've watched you for a long time carry yourself that way. Uh, so I think it fit well for the Naval Academy. Um, you alluded to earlier, uh, a couple of minutes ago, about, you know, some, some challenges when you first got to the Naval Academy. Um, maybe can you speak to some initial roadblocks? Um, that you faced, maybe not basketball, but just overall the experience? Yeah, definitely. I think over the summer, so I know a lot of, uh, you know, college basketball players in the summer going into their freshman year are at the campus, at the school, working out with the team, um, you know, improving solely on basketball. And I think that could have helped me big time going into my freshman year. But I think, uh, one, you know, one of the challenges that I had was um, going through, it's called sleep summer. And it's where I go. It's a six-week training uh, period for incoming freshmen at the academy. And, you know, you get beat down pretty hard. Um, and it's just like it's just like um, just basic training for going into the military. Um, so that was probably the biggest, biggest challenge for me mentally. Uh, just you're kind of drained at that point, you know, to get on the court and, you know, to do anything. You've been working so hard all day that you really don't want to put, your, you know, your time and effort uh, and their energy into basketball. And that, that was one of the um, biggest challenges I had all freshman year because you have so many obligations as a freshman, um, you know, during the season still that your head is all over the place and you're, you're really not 100% focused on basketball in school. Um, and that's one of the things the Naval Academy throws at you uh, as part of their training. So, like I said, it's made me a better person overall and more structured than I was going into the academy. But basketball-wise, I think, of course, it you know couldn't happen the way I wanted, but this offseason was going to be huge for me just to you know, solely focus on improving uh, as a player. Uh, it's, it's interesting perspective. I've heard other people talk about it. Um, in the middle of the summer for that six-week program, what did a typical day look like for you? Like, what time were you waking up and, and what were you doing on a typical day? Right, so the whole thing was, <laughs> looking back, it's kind of a big blur to me. Um, but you're waking up at, I want to say, 5.15, 5. So they cover up all the clocks. So you don't know what time it is. Um, I guess that kind of keeps you on edge a little bit. Um, but you wake up around 5.15. You know, you're getting yelled. You're waking up without a clock. They're, they come banging on your doors, yelling at you. It's all, it's all the mental, you know what I mean? They're just... <laughs> It's all game, and they're um, yeah, they're yelling at you this whole time. But waking up at five fifteen, whatever, five thirty, you're going out, um, doing your workouts for the day, your physical training. Um, what the work might be for an hour to running miles and a hundred thousand push-ups. What was it like? You're running, you're doing push-ups, you're doing sit-ups. Um, it that was kind of one of the fun parts, uh, more fun parts for me personally, just to you know stay in shape that way, but. And then once you get from, back from your workout, you're going to eat breakfast, and then you got, you're getting yelled at. Uh, and then one of the things you have to memorize uh, from this big book um, of just things you need to remember that the detailers or upperclassmen, you know, they'll, they'll ask you about um, while they're yelling at you. And you, got, <laughs> you got to spit them out uh, in, the in a pressured time. So I think that was um, 
one of the things that the Naval Academy has helped me with, um, just mm-hmm. kind of performing during pressure times uh, and staying at your best. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, going into that, if I'm picking anybody to just um, destroy those workouts and the discipline, it's <laughs> man, like, um, did you feel going into it like I got this? This is no problem. And then you were kind of hit with the rude awakening. Yeah. So I mean, I I ran a lot before I went to the academy for plebe summer um, for the little basic training session, and I, I ran a lot. I thought I was physically, I was. I was pretty set. I was good. Um, yeah. But mentally, you don't, I don't know if you know, like, what you're in for. Right. And mentally, it's just, it's just brutal and mentally draining when you're waking up at, you know, five o'clock every morning, um, you know, getting yelled at all day. And you're like, I don't want to be doing this. So mm. going through uh, 50 days of that is tough. Um, but it was something, you know, you have to do to get into the academy. And looking back, I mean, I made some of the really good friends during it. Um, you're, you're bonding with your classmates during that time. And you have no interaction with your parents or cell phone or anything, right? So I got, I, yeah, no cell phone, but I got three calls during the six weeks. So it wasn't terrible, but you know, it was tough because you know, I like being home, but it was tough being away from my parents and family. Yeah. So then you, you, uh, you get through that, uh, classes start, you know, in September. Um, and, and you're going, you, you talked about, going through classes and doing workouts and, and then having to go to basketball. Um, what were some challenges on the basketball court that you faced, you know, during, during the fall workouts in preparation for the season? Yeah, I think since we have so many, as a freshman, you get not, I don't want to say haze, but you get, you get, um, you know, you're training all year round from the upper class and that's their job. Um, so mentally you're, you're just worn out by the time you get to basketball and that might be at three o'clock every single day, three thirty, once everybody's done classes and, you know, we're going at the same time every day, but you almost hit a wall at some point and you're like, like, when's this over? Mm. So that was one of the biggest challenges all, all school year long, all season long that I went through. And, and if you talk to anybody at the Academy that pretty much everybody's went through too during their freshman year, um, you know, you, you don't lose complete interest, but during that time, you're like, you, you just don't know what to do with yourself because you got so much on in your head at, um, you know, at one time. And what would you say the rigor of academics? Like, you obviously took AP courses, honors courses. You, you did an unbelievable job at, at Penn Ridge. Would you say that the academic was, was really tough? Right, yeah. Academics is always going to be tough at the academy. Um, and I think the reason being is because, the time commitment where you have military obligations, you have basketball obligations, um, where your day is very structured. So you might only have from the eight o'clock to 11 o'clock at night to finish all your work for that day, all your, you know, papers, whatever you need to do. Um, so that was, and then, then it became, you know, I'm staying up past 11 o'clock. I'm you know going to bed way too late because I'm doing schoolwork. So you really got to, um, Time management was huge. Really got to, I improved on time management uh, greatly over the past year. But like I said, it's a structured day, so you don't have much time for the academics. Um, but the rigors from day-to-day academics, they were pretty tough. Yeah. And it's, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, man. I, if anyone can do it, it's you. And I know it's, it's all going to work out for you. Um, as far as the actual basketball, when you finally got to the gym and you're at practice, um, what would you say the biggest difference from playing in high school to playing in college was? 
I think every guy is every guy is the one was the best player on their high school team. I'd like to say. Mm. So you know, you come in, you have a lot of alpha dogs who need the ball, um, and then you kind of have to find your role. And I think finding your role on any team is probably the most important thing to your success. Uh, finding what you're good at and sticking to that. Um, not trying to do something that you're not. So I think for me, it was just playing all around uh, and being the best player I could in all, asset, all aspects of the game. Not worrying about, you know, shooting, scoring, whatever it was. Um, just trying to give coach a reason to keep me out on the floor. Um, but I think the speed of the game uh, definitely shocked me. It's a lot faster than high school. Um, and everybody's a good defender the college level and you need to be able to defend um, you know to be on the floor yes yes um, and was your best game that game at Lehigh when you had 19 yeah it was I, I had a really up and down year um, and but yeah Lehigh was I think I had 19 that game so yeah, yeah it was it was pretty cool to be in front of the home crowd for that yeah you had a lot of a lot of Penridge um, people there watching what was different about that game? How did you get moving? How did you get rolling? You know, what enabled you to play well? Yeah, I don't know. I just think um, the coach is just allowing me to play uh, and having confidence in me. One, you know, once you, once you knock down a shot, it, the game could have completely changed for you. Your confidence shifts. You know, once you see that ball go through the through the net, um, confidence, um, you know, just goes up and. You shoot one, you make one, then, you know, you feel confident in yourself and you're going to the basket. And then I guess just I was being – I was on the floor. My teammates got me the ball and I was just making shots. So that's – nothing really changed. It was the same preparation as a typical away game for us. It was just maybe I got more opportunities to score that game and, um, you know, coach had confidence in me. You talk about shooting. You obviously can, can really shoot the basketball. Uh, is there anything that, you know, when you're working out, it could, it could have been in high school, it could be in college, that, that you're thinking about, like, before you catch the ball, um, are there things from a technical standpoint or a form standpoint that you're thinking about? I think one of the things my dad always emphasized with me was staying in rhythm, always getting your shot up in rhythm. Um, when you're not in rhythm, most, uh, you know, most of the time, <laughs> the ball's not going to go in. Mm. So always getting that rhythm, you know, whether it's a one-two or just a, you know, a, a jump into your shot, whatever it is, um, find that rhythm and stick to it. Uh, but as far as technique, I think you, during a game, you're not really thinking that much. I think it's all instinctive. Um, and that's why, like you say, game speed is the only speed. You really got to focus on going through as hard as you can, your workouts and your shooting workouts, a full game speed. Because when you hop in a game, you need to be at 100%. You always need to be moving. Uh, well said. Well said. Um, so going through the year, you said it's an up and down year, which is very, very common for a freshman. I know my freshman year was, was very similar as far as playing a lot one game, then not playing a lot, scoring a lot, then not scoring at all. I mean, it's a, it's a challenging time. And then if you, you throw on all of the, the other stuff that you talked about here today, um, you know, it can be very challenging. Now, as a sophomore, are, is, are some of the um, extra stuff going to be taken away? Like, do you have to do the similar training before and after practice that you had to do this year? Or is that just freshman year? Right. Some of the obligations, there's like 
as a freshman, you're getting hazed, you're getting trained. Um, that's just a freshman thing. So sophomore year will look a lot different, and hopefully it will translate a little bit. And if, if this gets lifted, the coronavirus, I mean, or do you go back on campus in the summer, or will you stay at the, uh, back home? Summer at the academy looks a little bit different. Um, you know, there's military training, you know, all around the country. Um, you know, even out of the country that we do. Um, I'm not sure what my summer will look like right now, but if I should be taking a class in July, July and August, um, if this gets lifted soon, and um, and not, you know, I'll be working out then with the team. Awesome. And you know, obviously you don't have a crystal ball, but you know, as far as the kids that graduated, players that graduated this year, and, and kind of what you did this year, playing 15 minutes a game. Um, do you see, you know, having the potential to start next year? I wouldn't say start. I don't really have expectations um, that way. You know, I'm just going to go out and do my best, uh, put all the work in I can. Everything that I can control, I'm going to control. Um, and, you know, everything else will fall into place. I know I'm playing behind three uh, pretty pretty good guards again. Um, you know, and Cam Davis is playing the point guard. So, you know, I'm – I'm being a sponge, learning everything I can from these guys. And then, you know, when my time is right, when the time is right, um, you know, I'll step in. Great perspective, man. Um, this has been awesome. I appreciate you uh, sharing all this with our audience. It's always good to catch up with you. And uh, I, I know, as I said before, I know you are going to have a ton of success there and a ton of success in your life based on your core values, humility, discipline, all the things that we talked about here today, man. So I really appreciate you jumping on this call. Um, before you go, I have a couple quick hitters, though. A couple quick questions. Um, your favorite basketball sneaker? If you choose any sneaker, you can, what is it? Uh, for me, I, I'm not a big basketball, like a shoe guy. Um, <laughs> pretty low maintenance. I'll wear shoes till they start wearing out. But um, – I guess I'll go with the shoe I wore this year, which was the Curry 7 Lowe's. I wore them all year until they got holes in them. So, um, yeah, I'll go with them. Nice. Uh, favorite song right now? Uh, I know no specific favorite song, but I'm a, I like listen to country music. Um, country. Yeah, I do. Nice, nice. Um, if I asked your teammates, give me one or two words that describe Sean Yoder, what would they say? I think being a leader by example, I think I pride myself in that. And you know, I, I try to pride myself in that. Now you talk about lead by example, obviously, you know, as far as work ethic, skill set, um, you know, everything you bring to the game, uh, specifically looking more at your senior year at Penn Ridge as a leader, were you a vocal leader as well, or just mostly lead by example? Yeah, that was one of my another one of my challenges, really, because I'm kind of a quiet person. I'm a little shy off the court, um, so stepping into a vocal role my junior year, junior and senior year, was a little bit different for me, a little bit out of my comfort zone. Um, but then when senior senior year rolled around, I was really like I like you said, I was I was leading by example, doing the things on the court, putting uh, you know the time in that I needed to get better, and you know. Player, younger players took note of that but also when I was on the court being a vocal leader um, you know telling people where they should be seeing tell them what I saw um, in that play and just trying to help each uh, individual player becoming the best they can be mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I definitely saw you become more of a vocal leader as, as your time progressed. And it's not an easy thing to do, um, especially, you know, for someone that might be more on the quiet side. But, you know, we always tell our student athletes, if you're just leading by example, it's not enough. You know, you got to do more. Absolutely. Um, what is one thing nobody knows about you? Hmm. I think I actually just alluded to it um, right there, but just being a quiet person out of off the court, I'm a pretty quiet person. I'm kind of shy. Um, and I think you don't really realize that when I'm on the court, because I know I like to talk to my teammates. I like to, you know, um, you know, get juiced up when one of them, one of them have success. Uh, so, I mean, but yeah, I'm pretty quiet off the court. Quiet person. Okay. And last but not least, um, Where's Sean Yoder in five years? Oh, five years from now, I think. So the academy is a little bit different than any other college because after graduation, I'll be, I'll be a commissioned officer in the Navy. So I'll be going wherever uh, I could get deployed. But at least for five years after graduation, um, you know, I'll be in the Navy. I'll be, I'll be leading people. Mm. Awesome. Well, nobody better to do it. And nobody better to be in that role. Um, I wish you uh, nothing but success here in this offseason. And hopefully this thing gets lifted. Hopefully I see um, you and your brothers at some point this summer out on some basketball court. Probably will. You probably will. Awesome, man. Thanks again for your time. Give, give my best to your family and, and have a, a great, happy Easter. I will. You too, Dennis. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. See ya. See ya.